Well, thank you, guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen. Um, good morning. If you're new with us today, my name's Will, and I'm the pastor here at the Ridge. Glad that you guys are here. Oh, we'd love to return the visit with a phone call. So if, if you're with us, it's your first time. Uh, we have these guest cards, visitor cards, in the chairs in front of you, and you can give us your information there. You'll see a stack of cards, and you can actually give us your information, and we can kind of reach out to you, see how we can pray for you, let you know more information about the church, if that interests you, and you can put those in any of these like offering baskets, two back there and one right here. Um, you're joining us in the middle of a study through, it's kind of hard to see the way it's cut off on there, but it's First John 4, First John 4, let me go forward here. First John 4 is where we'll be today. Uh, before we jump into that, let me just pray, and then I want to step back a second and kind of catch you up in case you weren't with us last week, okay? But let's just pray. Heavenly Father, um, we take time out of the whirlwind of, of the week to just to stop, to, as sick as it sounds, Lord, we, we put you in our busy schedule how, how wrong we are. So now we're here, Lord, and I just pray that you would help us just dial down, dial down all our concerns, our worries, our, our thoughts. Uh, I, I pray that this would be a worthwhile time where we open our Bibles, uh, read, read from the words that you gave man to write down, to instruct us, to teach us, to encourage us, to convict us, all the things that you do. So I pray that you would take this time and that, that you would send your spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in each and every one of us believers, that you'd well up in us, fill us in a new way and, and lead us into understanding and truth and love for you, God, and love for your ways and not the ways of this world and love for your people, love for our brothers and sisters, Lord, and, and um, just a passion to follow you, that you would use this time to make us more like you and transform you into your image. We pray this, Jesus, because of you, because of what you've done, because of your power and your work. Amen. So last week, we, uh, were, we kind of went full circle, came back in the back door there for First John chapter 3. Let me remind you of this. I wrote up three words up here, okay? First word, spirit. Second word, flesh. Third word, mind. And the scripture, one of the scriptures that we sort of settled on was was a scripture that if you've, if you've studied the Bible, if you've been part of churches and Bible studies, this one might have came up because it is such a telling scripture for what it is to be human, right? Such a telling scripture for anyone who yearns to follow Christ. And, and part of this, the Apostle Paul is talking to Christians in Rome and he's explaining, he says this, part of verse 25 in Romans 7. He says, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So I want to bring this back up to you for your consideration because you have to remember this. What Paul was telling us in Romans 7 was this. Please understand, my flesh, like my body, my desire, um, it constantly wants to serve itself. And just because Jesus came, just because Jesus saved me, just because I'm being transformed in a new creation spiritually, the flesh in me still wants to do the things that I really don't want to do and not do the things I know I should do. And then he went on also to explain, but my spirit, this eternal part of me, that the breath of God, if you will, that's in me, it really wants to do God's will. 
And the telling part of the scripture is kind of at the end in verse 25. Paul explains, yes, my flesh, my body, it wants to do what's wrong and not what I really want it to do. But my spirit really wants to follow God's law and do what he did and follow him. So the, the, the interesting thing, why I, why I uh, capitalize this section, is Paul is saying, here's how I do this. With my mind, i got to choose which way to go. Will I give in to what my spirit wants and follow God, or will I give in to what my flesh wants, and that's to serve itself? And every one of you... Um, if, if you've come to that place, I don't, want to, I don't want to assume that every one of you have a relationship with Jesus, that you even believe in God just because you're sitting here today. But if you do, this is what you're wrestling with. And so the reason why we come together, we engage our intellect, is frankly because your mind is going to have to choose whether to follow your spirit or your flesh. Every day, every minute, every week, every month, every year. You don't buy a lifetime pass from freedom from your flesh. You just don't buy that. Okay? So keep that in mind and we'll go forward. First John, hopefully you're there on your phone or in your Bible. Please, please. I mean, come on. The title of today is Test the Spirits. And let me just put it this way, okay? This is a hard thing to preach because the last thing I ever want to do is mislead you. Right? Heaven forbid. But please test me. Please look at what the scripture says and make sure I'm not misleading you. And if you feel I am, tell me. Because what the scripture tells me is if I am speaking the truth of God, I should be open to that scrutiny. Right? I should want you to examine it for yourselves. The last thing I want is mindless people to say, this is what Pastor Will said. The summary of my eight years in pastoring is this. Dang, a lot of what we believe came from somebody else and not from the Bible. Right? That's the shirt I want to make. Holy cow, most of what we believe had nothing to do with the Bible. And that's scary as can be. Hopefully the person told, that told you that was correct. Okay. Now that I went, on, went off a little bit there, Brandon. Take a deep breath. We'll get to it, guys. Verse 1. We'll read through it, and then I'm going to call your attention to certain sections. Verse 1. I put up here the ESV version. It's not the only holy version. I believe the Holy Spirit is the translator of the scripture, so use your preference, but it might look a little bit different. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. There's those eight verses. Might be a familiar section of scripture for you. A um, couple popular things in there, right? That, you know, overcome the world. He who's in me is greater than he who's in the world. 
It's a good coffee cup verse. Um, well, what does it all mean? Well, if we stop a second, we can't, we can't forget the context of this letter. It was written by who? John, yeah, right, as the, as the name. Not, not, not like the first John as opposed to the second John. This is one of the first of the three, right? John, who actually, what, he met Jesus, walked with him, knew him. Um, and who's he writing to? What is it? The church, yeah, awesome. If I ask you a question, it's definitely not going to be like hypothetical or rhetorical. Just You can answer, it's cool, I need your help. You'll get bored if not. Um, Yes, we can't forget what he's talking, who he's talking to is Christians. Little children, he says. It means my students, the one who are following me as I follow Jesus. Right? And there's debate whether this is 70 or, or 90 years AD. So, right, this has been some time. He was a young man when he first met Jesus. He's an older man now. He's gained some wisdom from failures and successes and, and people and walking with God, okay? So let me pull out first part of verse 1 and call your attention to this. It begins with this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Okay, wait. Now what this tells me is that there's more than one type of spirit, if you will. Don't believe every spirit. There's lots of of spirits coming at you. Okay, do you see that just from the language there? Okay. Well, the word spirit... I've got to kind of geek out and look at this because I want to know what it means. So it is the word that we commonly use. The words pneuma is the Greek word that it's translated from. It literally means like breath or wind or current of air. So it's the word that they would use to describe these spiritual things that were unseen. It was like you, you couldn't see it, but you could feel it. And that's kind of what was going on with God. It's the it's the same version of, it's like that presence, the supernatural presence of God, the, the wind that comes through, right? This breath of air. Now, when this word is used, this pneuma word, it can mean a lot of things because here's where our um, North American 2021 thinking is a little bit off, okay? This word spirit can refer to a person. Wait, 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 wait a second, Will. What are you going to say here? Okay, backstep another one. When we think of person, what do you think of? What's that? A flesh, like a human, right? You're a person, I'm a person. A person is actually by definition a being with the, with the specific characteristics. I, so uh, uh, the, there's a person, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a human, right? The person of this, the person of that, the word itself is actually doesn't have to mean human being. Um, that's one aspect. Another aspect you have to realize, we have to transform our thinking, is even though we interact face-to-face, you know, Orion, Randy. There's a part of me and a part of you that's expiring, right? Just because Jesus came and saved us from our sin eternally, he didn't stop the decline of the world, right? The physical world. Or the decline of the human world, the body, right? The people. You and I are dying. Our bodies are failing us, and it has to go that way. Jesus didn't stop that when he came. He, say, he came to give us new birth spiritually, but our body will deteriorate, and the world around us will deteriorate, and we'll constantly try to explain what's happening, but really, even the birds and the oceans and everything know that it's jacked up, and it's going towards destruction, okay? But there is an eternal part of you, and an eternal part of me that could be called the spirit. It's that unseen, like the wind, the breath. 
So there's this word pneuma. It could be you. It could be a supernatural spirit, like an angel, a demon. It could be any of those. That word is also used when referring to the Spirit of God, which we would call the Holy Spirit. The same word is used. So you have to look at the context to figure out what's going on. But at face level here, we need to take from this piece, there are many spirits coming at you, offering you truth, and you can't believe every one. We together so far? Many spirits coming at you, whether it's people, supernatural, Holy Spirit, good, bad, right? They're coming at you, offering you truth claims. Look at that. Oh, man, praise, praise God for that, huh? Yeah, thank you, Lord. We need the rain. Yeah. So continuing on in verse 1, it says, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So here's what John wants to tell you and I. There's many spirits coming at you, trying to get you to do things, trying to make claims, but test them. The word test, right? I could try to missay the Greek word, doikimatsu or whatever it's like, but it means to, it's the same phrase and term used to describe like uh, the examination of metal for purity, right? They use it for that, but, but really it's to test, to examine, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. So, hey, every spirit that comes at you, you better test it, examine it, pick it apart, make sure it's what it says it is. Because not every spirit is from God, nor does every spirit direct you in truth. Well, let me take a little side note here. I wrote a couple notes because I want to make sure I tell you these things. Um, understand, Satan exists. Okay? And demons exist. And their operation is what they operate as a kingdom of lies and deception. Their, their kingdom is not necessarily about tangible harm as much as it is about lies and deception. Everything is, is the, the father of lies, the great deceiver, right? He He's the angel of light. He's, he's trying to portray that. He's twisting, even from the beginning when he interacted with humans. First of all, he didn't say, no, uh, he's not God or, or whatever. He tried to twist what God said to get human beings, spirits, right, to do stupid things. So they disguise themselves as angels of light, and you'll observe, observe them operating, right, the, the demons and Satan, where they operate most is in false or corrupt religion and belief systems in our world. They operate in the belief systems that are corrupt and the religions that are corrupt. And they use lies and deception. Because here's where we get it wrong, right? It's the age-old tale. Either you pretend that Satan and demons don't exist, or pretty soon you go too far and then they do everything. Satan made me do it. No, he didn't. Right? That's us. We are so extreme. Right? We can't lose track of that. Like, when I get this, I'm going to go all the way. Right? It's that pendulum effect. Oh, man, there is, there is darkness. There is demons. Everything. Oh, man, they forgot lettuce on my cheeseburger. It was Satan, I'm telling you, Jim. Right? That's what happens. So, we have to remember this, that Satan and demons aren't all, usually are not directly responsible for the evil, the harm, the destruction that goes on in the world. They don't need to be. The flesh of human men and women do it. 
the, you can just look at any of the harm done to man. A lot of you are here today, you have stories, the church hurt me. Well, it wasn't the church, it was a person. That person hurt you in their flesh. And it rubbed wrong against your flesh. And sure, demons and evil and darkness and deception and lies were involved, but they didn't pull triggers, throw punches, drop bombs, say awful things. That was us. That was our mind choosing to go with our flesh instead of our mind choosing to go with the Spirit in us. See that? Okay. So then John goes on to say, still in verse 1. Okay, this is a pretty sweet verse. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Oh, false prophets. I hate talking about this. Because you feel like a headhunter, right? Like a witch hunt or something. Because you want to like pick on people. Because I don't want to be a false prophet. I don't want to be a false teacher. I don't want to tell you the wrong things. Like, I, I don't want to do that. But... He's saying, listen, at his time already, many false prophets have gone out into the world. So in the context of this, guys, he's not talking, he's not necessarily just talking about like supernatural spirits. He's talking about people. People. Because a false prophet, right, when you're testing the spirit, the false prophet is that someone prophecy itself, right, is declaring things from, from heaven or above or godly truths that are given to you. It could be foretelling, but it also could just be truth. And so the people who carry these are people. Not ghosts, right? Like, ooh, right? No, he's talking about there's people among you that are going to be false prophets, right? Pseudo-prophets, as the word breaks up the Greek word. The one who acting the part of a divinely inspired prophet utters falsehoods under the name of divine prophecies or pretended foreteller or religious imposter. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. What John's talking about here is the fact that you and I, in our world, the same as in the first century, you're going to have people Men and women claiming to have revelation or direction from God or understanding from God. One about the scripture, two about what God's saying today or what's going to happen next. They're going to have these claims and they're going to be lying. They're going to be deceived. And I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in, their, in their mind or in their heart. Have they just been deceived in the way they believe? what they're saying, or are they intentionally deceiving you and I for their own gain? And just so that you don't think that doesn't still exist, my tendency and my failure is to be weak and to be passive. But I can't be if I'm going to be leading people for God. You understand? Because the direction is very simple. Be aware, you guys know in our Quad City area, I don't know the total count, but it's somewhere between 150 and 200 churches that exist around here that would consider themselves Bible-believing, right? And, you know, that's serving, what, maybe 120,000 people? So out of all those churches, we all teach, some of us teach a lot of different things. And it's impossible for us to all be saying the right thing because we disagree on some hugely important things. And so for you, 
as someone trying to, trying to discern where to fellowship and grow and learn and serve, you're going to have to find a place that you think is speaking truth and not speaking falsehoods. That's what John wants you to do. Because then what would happen? If, if the people were discerning themselves, then the people spouting lies would have nobody attending their fellowship or movements, right? Verse 2. Now we're on to verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Okay, this I want to know, right? This, okay, how do I know if this is from the Spirit of God instead of a spirit deceiving me? This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Okay, this is kind of weird. I'm actually going to give you a list, right? I mean, you know me and lists. I make fun of them. Like, oh yeah, I got five points of how to change your life. I don't usually do that. But what I want to share with you is, is a list that's been around for hundreds of years. Like, it's older than Prescott, okay? Hundreds of years um, People studying 1 John, and this is kind of my take on that list of, of, I'll give you five things from this scripture alone that we can look for to determine what, what's the spirit of what we're being told. Okay, ready for the first one? First one is this, that it glorifies or exalts the true Jesus Christ. Okay, that it glorifies or exalts the true Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. There's a word here that that becomes important, uh, that Jesus has come in the flesh. Understand, the context in the first century, it's it's a, a Greek world, right? And they... They had a lot of thought, philosophy, and all that. And there was a belief that, you know, physical was bad, spiritual was good. And so um, to have a God that they were talking about to be all, first of all, hard to understand. How could you be fully God and fully human as Jesus was? They didn't get it, and it was counter to the world system that they operated under. And who's the author of the world? Cosmos is the system, Right. So they thought they were so smart, the Greeks, right? Um, and so there was great debate. Jesus must have been some spirit. He wasn't really man. Okay, Passive Americans will be like, oh yeah, well, that's whatever. You do you. Believe what you want to believe. Huge problem here. Huge problem. Do you understand that flesh had to die to pay for my sins? So if Jesus was not flesh then my sins aren't paid for. I'm out of luck. So it's a huge deal whether Jesus was a man too. Right? And it's a huge deal whether Jesus was God. Otherwise, he had no right or authority to forgive you and I. Very huge. If we, if we get off base at the beginning, how in the world are we going to get to the right place at step two and three? So at a foundation level, you've got to make sure the people you're listening to that are coming to you as from God are glorifying or exalting the true Jesus Christ. Let me go on to this. Okay. The word here is confesses. Now, confessing in, in our terms just basically means verbally agreeing, acknowledging, right? Like, yeah, sure. But really what this is, is to confess is the idea of saying the same thing or agreeing. It doesn't mean to simply verbally acknowledge 
Jesus' existence, but it is to claim him and to agree with him and to say what he says. So we must agree with the divine truth, saying the same thing that God said and the Holy Spirit teaches. Is that, is that taking form there? Okay. It's got to glorify Christ. It's got... Our, our, the word is Christology that they use, right? Our understanding, our belief about Christ, our doctrine, our truth about Jesus has to be right at a base level. Did he have feathered hair or not? That's not as important, but he had to be all human, right? And did he pet the little lambs with blue eyes? Yeah, I don't know if that was true. But that's not as important as the fact that he had to be all God and all man for this to work. Uh, what we're really agreeing to, if you want to confess Jesus as Lord, you're confessing that he's the boss, he's the master, he knows better than you. So in, whenever you come to a place where you're like, I'm good with what you said, but this is where I draw the line, Jesus. I'm going to do it my way instead of yours. You are no longer confessing or agreeing with him. Um, let me go back a step here, too. Here's another rub, okay? As, as I study this and pray about this, little side note, our church is, is fun because we all come from so many different backgrounds. So many different backgrounds. And we obviously weren't happy with where we came from, otherwise we wouldn't be here, right? And, and then the tendency when you go to a new place, because we're squirrely humans, is I didn't like where I came from, but I want this place to be exactly the same. Right? Okay, so that's, that's pastor's life. If you want to, okay, well, yeah, that church, but we should really do what they did. How did that work for you? Because now you're here, right? So that's a side note of funny right there, in my opinion. But what I'm aware of, because of where I came from, we have to, these people would stick very carefully to their doctrine, their beliefs, and very carefully to like false teachers. So what ended up happening is they ended up cutting out the good of the Holy Spirit a lot of the time, in my opinion. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it really made it so, so the Bible became almost more important than God because you had a God who didn't really speak or interact too much. He simply wrote what he did in the past and you had to operate based on that. And it lacked the fullness of Christ. Does that make sense? So, once again, right, the overreaction... I start preaching the way I do. And then people who come from really Pentecostal backgrounds are like, you need more Holy Spirit, right? Okay? I don't disagree with them. But the problem is this. Uh, what we see now in our culture is these big movements of, like, pow demonstrations of power. And those become more important than Jesus. And so I worry that sometimes, even the people we're letting into our head... They are all Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. The problem is with the Bible, okay? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit doesn't exist to glorify himself, but to point you to Jesus, to remind you of what Jesus said and to lead you into all new truth. So if everything is about the Holy Spirit, then it's not about Jesus, then it would cause me concern as a believer to say, well, I go that direction because they've discounted Jesus, even though the Holy Spirit sounds like a good substitute. It's not a valid substitute. There's the danger of you following spirits claiming to direct you to the Holy Spirit, which has nothing to do with God at all. Okay? 
So you're going to find that. You're going to find that, especially going to YouTube. You're going to find these things, and you're going to sort of know in your spirit. You're going to be like, I don't know if that's doesn't seem like God honoring what's going on there, but sure, right? Okay. And sorry that I'm kicking you, kicking you, Pentecostal background folk. Okay. I already kicked the religious conservative too that you killed the Holy Spirit. Okay. Everyone's kicked. Now let's go to a third party. This is the other thing that I see: our nations in weirdness. And we, still, and we still think, even though, anyone know? I, I wonder what percentage, I should have looked this up, of the population of the world that the United States is. I wonder what it is. You know, what's that? Very small, okay? But there is YouTube channel after YouTube channel, and you guys send it to me every week, that is pretty sure that God will die if America does. And that God's only concern is America when we're such a small piece of an entire world, of an entire time span. So if what we're doing is glorifying America as God's answer to the world, you're being deceived. Is it glorifying Jesus? Yeah? 4.25% of the world. Okay, and this isn't one generation. Come on, right? Like, we're so arrogant, Americans. I mean, I, you know... Side note, when I was 10, my best friend wasn't from America, and he opened my eyes to how arrogant we were, right? Like, we just think we are the best in the whole world, and no one else has an answer, you know? And so we're still that way, even our Christian beliefs. Oh, geez, man. If the president isn't doing this, like in our country, oh, Jesus is just going to die again. No. By no means am I insulting you for caring about your country. That's fine. That's good Christian duty, but if all you listen to is how America must survive so God can, test the spirits, test the spirits. Number one, first test, right? Does it glorify and exalt the true Jesus Christ? Because the true Jesus Christ came into a corrupt culture that literally lit Christians on fire as lamps, and he, and he didn't throw that nation down yet. Okay? So if you see your nation going away, then you should be a Christian, that's what you should do and teach the people around you to be a Christian and follow God and trust him and, and vote and do your civic duty. But, but quit following. Don't make your devotion political. Don't make your devotion all we're centrally focused on the Holy Spirit. Don't make your devotion we're centrally focused on the scripture. No, your devotion, your salvation, the central focus is the exalted and glorified Jesus Christ the real Jesus Christ. And if anyone's leading you anywhere else, then I would be concerned that what we have going on here is what John is warning against. Okay, did I beat that one down pretty good? We good? Okay. Verse 3, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Well, there's like a bomb word, right? The, the Antichrist, because everyone wants to go to eschatology. You think about the Antichrist person from Revelation. What John's saying is, understand, there is a spirit that's against God, and it's already out into the world, and it's alive and well in people, right, as well as demons and Satan who want to oppose Christ. And it is doing everything it can to jack everything up. And I assure you, it's on plenty of Christian YouTube channels that this spirit is at work, creating confusion and division amongst believers. So, a little note here. Um, consider this. 
the devil or any person acting anti-Christ would never go around and, and try to produce in men and women a more honorable thought or system of thoughts of God and Jesus and lay greater weight to his instructions and commands. That makes sense? Like, Satan would never say, oh yeah, do what God says, right? He's going to always call into question loopholes. That's not what he really meant. Or, or maybe this part of your life is okay if you don't do what God said about it. Or, ah, oh, you know, well, your husband really is kind of a jerk. Maybe you can do this. Or your wife is this. Or your boss isn't treating you right, so you can do this. Or, oh, it's okay if you, you know, engage in this sinful behavior because of your circumstance. That's, that's not agreeing with Christ. That's agreeing with a spirit of anti-Christ. So really, you have to ask this other question. Is, is what you're being taught opposing Satan's kingdom? So there's the second point. Two of five right here. Satan's kingdom and or interest are opposed. So is it glorifying and exalting the one true Christ, right? And are, is Satan's kingdom and interest being opposed by what, what you're being taught? Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Who's them? The Antichrist and all the false teachers, right? And the world. You are from God and overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. See, the Spirit of God is at work whenever and wherever people love the things of the world less and the glories of heaven more. Loving the pleasures and successes of this world However, mark the spirit of the world. So really, I mean, I could add another one to the list. You've got to look at the lives of the people, right? Christian leaders who have ultimate moral failures calls into question everything they taught you, right? Um, so the spirit of the world speaks and savors the things of the world. Here is the danger that we see. Right? Here's the danger that I fall in, because I love people, and I really want you guys to like me, to be honest with you. That's something I have to overcome. Right? I want to be a nice guy. Especially right now, it's so flashy, man. Our culture is so celebrity that we even want our pastors to be celebrity. And we're doing that to them, and the worship leaders, right? And they got to look apart and, and act apart, and the pastors have to. And so we put them on these pedestals, and so they act that way. See, the spirit of the world does this, as it said in 1 John 2, 16. The spirit of the world drives people to live for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the spirit of God is what overcomes. So if you're overcoming the lust of the world in your heart, that's the spirit of God in you. And I have to teach you that truth because when it comes for you, are you calling out to the Spirit of God? Are you calling out to the Holy Spirit? Help me, man. Josh, help me. I'm feeling tempted toward pride, toward lust of the flesh, toward lust of the eyes. Like, it's not just for you to do, but ask the Holy Spirit to lead and change in your heart so your mind will make the choice to follow the Spirit and not the flesh. You are of God, little children, have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. 
Colossians 1.10 says this, The Spirit of God compels people to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's not legalism. It's not you doing things so that God loves you and you earn His salvation. It is you because you love God so much because He first loved you that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit alive in you, it compels you to walk worthy in the matter, in, the, in a matter worthy of God's love, right? And, and to be fruitful in every good work. This is New Testament stuff. This is post-Jesus' ascension and resurrection, right? This is not before. You and I are still called to walk in a way as to bring glory to God. Verse 5, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. I think mean, this happens, right? Uh. Am I guilty of this, Rick? I don't know, man. Am I, am I coming at you? You see, there's religious teachers and leaders who are coming at their work, right, as one from the world. They appeal to you for, with tools from the world. They, I mean, Josh, I don't know, man. Are we using too many movie quotes? I don't know. Lord, teach us. Are we using the world to entice you because you want to hear what you want to hear because you love the world? Because religious leaders, are do, they were doing it then and we're still doing it now. They're coming at this work as one from the world. So they say the things and value things that the world would understand and agree with. The spirits of those teaching following these teachers are not in Christ or aligned with God. They are antichrist and in line with the spirit of the antichrist already at work in our Lord. So guys, there's people in church, there's pastors today and leaders and teachers and all they care about is getting you to like them and join the movement they're in. And I can't be one of those. You know, kids, they talk about boomers. And technically, I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen X. I'm like a baby of Gen X. I don't really like 80s music other than what I heard in movies. Sorry. I'm like a 90s kid, okay? So I'm the end of Gen X. But every day, I think the boomer cloud is getting bigger, right? You see it. The 40 and 50-year-olds who wouldn't be baby boomers are sort of joining that because we've become more disconnected with the things in this world. Our cell phones are getting more complicated. Our eyesight is getting worse. So we do the same things. Where the kids are you're just like, okay, the, right? So it doesn't matter. The boomer cloud is getting bigger. I am not Justin Bieber and I can't necessarily dress like him. Fair enough. But the pull is to do that, to pull in the world. Right In the last days, you'll have the teachers right, who will tickle your ears. And that's what's happening. And I don't mean to pick on a big church because they have a lot of people, but ultimately, I mean, you've got to call into question, like, am I doing this to glorify God or am I doing this to glorify the system that we're trying to operate here? We've got really cool music with young, cool people that are beautiful. And the boomer cloud that's getting bigger every day wants to feel younger. And so, yes, we love that you rock out. We're suckers for it. We're suckers for it. They speak from the world and the world listens to them. This is just something I found somewhere. Uh, and it's not on the list of five, but, but it's an interesting thought. Their, their end will correspond to their deeds, reaping and sowing. 
if you step back and use your mind for a minute, it's kind of like, oh, man. You see what we're doing in our religion? It's kind of, I mean, some of these movements really kind of prey on poor people, and the only rich person there is the pastor. I don't think that's what God meant. Um, we, we, we want emotion and feeling. There's even books and systems to sucker people to come into your church, right, so you can grow big and have lots of money. Like, we have, there's that, that's there. Um, and, and there's the laws of reaping and sowing. You, you may want jalapeno peppers, but if what you're, the seed you're planting is cherry tomatoes, at best you get cherry tomatoes, unless you've got weird compost, okay? Side note. But, but reaping and sowing, in the end, you will have the people over time whose intentions aren't right, whose ideas about God aren't right over time, it shows itself. So we have to sort of look at the people delivering the message. This is a lot of pressure because my life is a mess in a lot of ways. But hopefully what you see in me is a struggle to follow Christ and not a pretense to say I have it all figured out. But you have to look at the life of the messenger too. It's not on the time lasted list of five, but it is an important thing because do you wonder why you have such great failures of moral superheroes in churches because you elevate them, make them rich, powerful, and encourage them to come at the people from the world's perspective and then you wonder why they got trapped in the world. It's systematic. It it makes sense. But here's what we have to be. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. See, the true spiritual battle is between truth and lies or error. Because if your flesh is going to go towards the error or the lies or the sin and the spirit of God in you, is going to lead you to all truth and righteousness, then what's in the way is, the only question left is, what will your mind choose? No wonder it's a battle for your mind and your thought. Verse truth and lies. So number three, the thing that you have to use when you're examining is, does this message I'm being given direct people to the scriptures? Because ultimately, not to deify or make the scriptures a God, but they are... um, have been prayed over and lasted a long time, right? The, the fallacy of them would have come out over time, just like the fallacy of you and me will come out over time. And so these are not the only words God ever spoke. The Bible says that itself, that it doesn't claim to be that, but they are the written down experiences and words of the people of God. And so they are a plumb line for truth for you and I to use for all other revelation throughout time. So does that message direct people to the scriptures or like the old, old Roman Catholic religion where they spoke a language no one could speak, only one person could read, and no wonder the countries and the government ended up corrupting the church or vice versa, and then it became political and people were controlled by their religion, right? As bad as our country gets, it's like a fist fight to get someone to put on a mask. Why? Because we do read and we think for ourselves. So it is a tough pill to swallow to try to overtake the people. And 
how dare we have the truth of God available to us, like 17 of them collecting dust in your house and us never to read it, and only base all of our salvation, our faith, and our life on what some guy or girl tells us. Number four, does what being said, does it elevate and reveal God's truth? Is it in line with God's truth? Give me an example with this. Okay, I'm going to step on some toes here. A huge one's divorce. Okay? A huge one's divorce. If you go into any church, statistically about half of the people have, have been divorced. Right? That's statistically in our country. However, 0% of the time was God celebrating that divorce. You got that? 0% of the time. 100% of the time, God loved the people who got divorced. 100% of the time, there's forgiveness available. 100% of the time, there's consequence for you not doing it God's way. Everyone with mixed families can say amen, right? There is, all of that is true, but if me as a teacher is like, oh, well, in our culture, God didn't get it. It's really weird in America because there's pornography and affairs and financial issues, so here he'd be okay with me getting a divorce. No, he still never wanted that to happen. However, if it happened, God is so good and faithful and just, and he blows my mind, Emily, because, like, I'm married to Brandy. I think I chose her. However, because God's outside time, when he knit me together in my mother's womb, he's like, this is the dude that's going to marry Brandy. He knew it, even though he let me choose it, because he's outside time. I can't explain it. You can just rest on it. So if I had two wives, then I'm sure when he made both of them, he'd say, from the years X and X, this is going to be Will's wife. And then he's going to blow it. And then years X and X, this is going to be his wife. So the truth is, God didn't lose control, but God was not happy with the sinful decisions you and I made. Does that make sense? It elevates the truth. There's still love. There's still forgiveness. There's still mercy. I'm still glad you're here. Okay? Even if you got divorced six times, I hope there's never seven. I'll be here to encourage you never to get to seven, okay? If you're married with the first one, let's fight to keep that one to the end. That's truth. Verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another. There it is, right? Let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. See, this is where we can go too far. We can be so cold and so heartless and so arrogant to think just because I have truth in my hand that I can lord that over you and pretend I have no sin, right? It's back to my, my fun illustration. It's the plank in my eye as I observe the splinter in yours, right? So number five, does this teaching, does this person, what they're, what they're presenting to you, this system, does it result in love for God and love for others? You want to see this. Actually, I don't even want you to do that. But if you Googled, like, test the spirits, you'd see tons of people that probably got one through four right, but failed miserably at this. Failed miserably at this. At, at loving the person. Loving the fact that they're an unfinished product. And so even though they might make the wrong decision, even though I'm supposed to stand for truth and tell you the truth, I still love you even if you won't obey the truth. So I know, that can feel a little legalistic, right? Um, and that can feel a little anti-Holy Spirit because I'm telling you, we're, giving this, we're talking about the Holy Spirit too much. 
first of all, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is I think, you know, on your computer, when you log into YouTube, we should put a banner on there with this scripture. So you should be aware that just because someone said it, recorded it, and put it on YouTube, it was really easy. When I did it the first time, there was like no checks and balances. I could have said whatever crazy nonsense I wanted to. And they do, right? So you've got to kind of look at this as you go into a church, as you listen to anyone um, claiming to come from God. Um, so one of those areas is this abuse of the Holy Spirit. Because it's feeling, and it's, it's exciting, and I can, I can get on your emotions. You know, it's like, it's like a good rock concert, right? Where, man, you can get emotionally moved by good music, right? Or you can watch a movie, and the person dies of cancer at the end, you're always crying. I mean, it's fake, but it, it got your emotions. We can do that here, too. We can be fake and get your emotions and get you to do things based on emotion that will never last. And so it's so easy, your natural reaction, just to play it safe, is you're like, wait, you said Holy Spirit, you're out. Because that's, that's a slippery slope. You can go weird with that. Well, the problem with that is we're missing out on one-third of the Trinity of God when we do that. Right? It's a huge part of the blessing that God's given us. It's, it's God with us. It's actually better than having Jesus as your neighbor, is what Jesus said. To have this Holy Spirit. So, Paul, the same guy, wrote to another group of, of, of Christians and the Thessalonian church, and he said this, 1 Thessalonians 5, do not quench the Spirit. Okay? So here's my balancing scripture for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil. So that's my encouragement to you, is that just because it is something spiritual... Because of what I just said, don't automatically discount it. Don't quench the Spirit. He is alive. Like it or not, God speaks beyond what was in the Scripture. Okay? Hear my words. God will speak more than what is written in the Scripture. If you don't believe it, the Scripture will testify to that. However, God will not change His mind from the Scripture to what He told you. Does that make sense? He's not going to change His mind from what He wrote in the Scripture to what He told you. Okay? So we hold fast, we examine everything, we hold fast to what is good, we absorb from every form of evil. Here's the list again. Here's the things to look for. Does, it, does the teaching glorify or exalt the true Jesus Christ? Does it, is Satan's kingdom or interest opposed? Does it direct people to the scriptures? Does it elevate and reveal God's truth? And does it result in love for God and love for others. It's a good list when you're listening to a Bible teacher or you're picking up a good book. To just see, at a base level, this is, this is five things you could look at to help you test the Spirit. So, we're going to end this time with, with uh, two things. One, some prayer time. Uh, we also have communion set up here. And, and so the idea with this is in our right view of, of Jesus Christ, right? As Lord and Savior. I'm take one of these. He, uh, he did something with his believers and, and it was something um, to call to them in remembrance. I mean, there was so much involved with it that we won't get into now. And, and what he did is as they had a meal, 
he wanted to demonstrate something to them. And something that they could do and repeat. And every time that they did this, they'd remember it, him. And so one thing that we need to say is, is Christ was fully human. And so he had a body and he, he had blood. And he says, every time you get together, you do this in remembrance of me and what I've done for you. And so at this time, we'll have the worship team come up. They'll play some music. Um, and then I want you to follow the Spirit. Maybe you're supposed to go do this today. Maybe you're not. Don't go do this if, God, if this is not what's on your heart right now. But if you do this, do this in remembrance of Him. Remember this, that, that when, we, when we take this cup, it symbolizes God's blood, or the blood of Jesus, right? The blood that was shed for you and I, that paid for our sins. He was human. He had blood. And when we eat of the bread, we remember this as His body. And when we, when we break into this bread, we remember the breaking of His body to, to save us from sin. And then we remember the fact that he didn't stay dead. Even though he died, he didn't stay dead. That he rose from the dead to full glory so that he had all rights and authority to save you and I as well. And so for that, we can praise him. But before we take this, we're also instructed to examine ourselves. So we'll play this time. There's, there's two songs, right, left? You guys still got two songs left? So there's two songs. So if you're supposed to take this after you've examined yourself, you come before the Lord... Um, then, then do that and do that in remembrance of him. Okay? Let me go ahead and pray and then we'll spend a little time praising God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your plan that's never thwarted. I thank you so much for this rain. I pray for our brother Ross as he's with family, uh, you know, mourning the loss of a family member, Lord, that you would just give him safe travels and be with him and bring him back home safe. Um, I just... Thank you for all the men and women here today. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who couldn't be with us. Lord, teach us in our heart and in our mind the truth about false teaching so that we can be men and women who examine and inspect every truth claim, Lord. That we'd hold on to what's true and we would run away from what's evil. We thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.